That's how we do church. And also that's how you do life as a follower of Jesus. You can't do life without Christ and the Spirit of God living in you. So the Holy Spirit is our necessity. He is our anchor. And so one of my hopes in this series, actually, one of the things I want to do is, of course, to inspire and instruct, but also to activate, activate, if I could say it, activate the gifts of the Spirit within this family so that we can get up and move out and engage with what God is doing among us. So You've been given gifts in this room, believe it or not. You may be aware of it. Some of you may be aware of it. Gifts of healing and prophecy. And uh, as part of this series also on prophecy, we encourage you to sign up to our activation day. We're going to call it workshops, but it's more activation. It's workshops seems very clinical and logical and something that we take in. But we don't want to just take something in. We want to actually engage with what the Spirit has given us and unleash it into our communities here near and far, into our schools, into our workplace. Do you know that you can have a prophetic voice in your workplace? Can you, can you imagine that? If I could just grab your attention for a moment. We can do that. You can speak truth and light and hope into situations in your workplace. So if you would do that, join up with us next Saturday the 6th of April, um, it's called Developing the Prophetic, and Mark Ills is over for us, with us. We do charge five pounds just to help us uh, as a church reduce the costs of food and coffee and paying for a speaker to come over and fly over. And if you do the math, you'll know that five pounds won't cover anywhere near it. But we do have a small charge in that. So do come along to that. So we want you to, uh, we have, believe that there's preaching, teaching, there's words of knowledge in this place, there's leadership gifts. There's evangelism, there's pastoral gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of mercy, gifts of kindness. And what I want to see happen is that we want you to be confident in, in your gift and also released into the gifts that God has given you. That's where it happens. And you may be saying, oh, great, Jason, am I on the platform next Sunday? No, you're not. Okay, just make that clear. Um, so uh, the gifts of God are not for great meetings. They're not for great meetings. They're for the farmyards. They're for the engineering plants for your streets and the economy, for your, your social environments, for your family environments, for everywhere you go. God didn't give you spiritual gifts so that you would sit here in a black chair within an hour to demonstrate what God has given you, believe it or not. You know what cracks me up sometimes? Sometimes I think that, especially the charismatic movement, we've become practical dispensationalists. Oh yeah, we believe in healing, but we starve our community and we rob the people who need it most by not engaging with them and unleashing what God has given us to bring into our communities. And we don't want to be that type of church. We don't want to be a church that just gathers on a Sunday with the gifts of God and talk about them and, and experiment them and put them in a, in a shelf again and, and clean them up and polish them and, and get all theological about them and say, we believe this, and then never act. Never lay hands on a sick person, somebody in your space, in your place that has a sciatica, and we just have the conversation, but never once engage and think, Jesus might have a solution. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a couple of weeks back that when Ben was speaking, I think Alan told some stories of what's happening in Ricky's place, right? Among farmers and among people who are working with eggs. I don't know why I'm saying all that. But just to say that it happens out there, not just here. We only have an hour and, well, today we've got about two hours, 15 minutes. <laughs> but there's have a lot to talk about and you have much to learn. Just joking, just joking, just joking. But in all seriousness, we can't do it. This is not, the gifts of the Spirit, all I want to say, the gifts of the Spirit are not for this room only. But God has given us gifts where we go, he goes, empowered by the Spirit of God. So let's open the ancient scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
man, I want you to be confident in your gifting. Afraid, yeah, but confident at the same time. Anybody need scripture? Hand it out to them. What a church, huh? Where they're throwing Bibles on a Sunday morning, hungry for the word of God. I love that. In all seriousness, I absolutely love that. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul talking to a local church saying that the Spirit of God is pouring out gifts on people, on individuals, not just specific gifts, but just on individuals, people like you and me who are sitting here today in a black chair. Paul is saying that these gifts are given for the common goal. And then he gives the specifics of the gifts. To one he is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, okay? To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts this is plural. Remember this one, gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy. So don't forget to sign up for our workshop. To another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. We'll talk about that in the weeks ahead. And still to another interpretation of tongues. All these are for the work. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. Remember that also. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. He just fires them out. Fires them out. Paul gives us four different lists of spiritual gifts. You'll find it in Acts, you'll find, or sorry, Romans, Corinthians, and Ephesians. But what I want you to understand right before we get into anything this morning is that uh, there's a, there is um, not just a one gift for you, okay? So there's a tool bag. So you read 12, you read 1 Corinthians 12, and it's talking about specific gifts. You, you go over to verse 14, chapter 14, and he's talking about ministering in, in different gifts and tongues, interpreting tongues. And then he tells us also in Corinthians that we should all desire the gift of prophecy. All right? So what I see is a bag of tools. I think maybe Ben talked about this the week I was away. There's a bag of tools, right? And whatever the specific situation is, that's why the gifts are given. So if somebody has a sore back and you don't have the faith for healing, you have the commission to go and heal the person, all right? So get over the faith part and go and heal the person. That's how it works. If you are the only person in the room tomorrow morning and God gives you a word and you think, oh, I don't have the gift of prophecy, and yet God gives you an encouraging word for somebody in your workplace, you're licensed to put your hand in the tool bag, ask the Spirit of God to come and speak into that situation. It's for the situation. We get caught up in the specifics, who are they for, when are they for, how many can I have. That's not the gig. The gig is that the Spirit of God is distributing gifts to the body of Christ for the common good. For the common good. So it's all good, right? You excited? Good. So strongly, I want to strongly emphasize, rather than just singular expression, that, that we all, we all get to get in these gifts. And I also don't believe this is a comprehensive list of gifts. I sort of think Paul's on the hop. And he's just rhyming these things out, and he gets to a certain stage and just stops and goes on. Okay, there is no theological evidence for that, by the way. <laughs> there is no commentary on that. There's no historical evidence. It's just my thought, and that uh, you can write a book on it. So I, I feel that there's, there's lots of things that God gives the church. You know, hospitality and comfort and kindness and all these gifts. So let's not just box them in. Let's not just single them out, and then the prophets are the great guys, and they're the smart ones, and the teachers, and the pastors, and, and then we have the gift of hospitality. It's just, it's for the common good. It's to say, the kingdom of heaven is here. God has arrived. There's a new way of doing life. We are signposts. We stand as evidence that the kingdom of God has come and is among us. So we're talking today about the supernatural gifting from the Holy Spirit, and one particular one I want to talk about today is the gift of healing. 
And also, just to give us some more reference again, I don't know how far we'll get today, but I want to also say this and make this very clear, that this isn't something that we don't try and develop ourselves. These gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul tells us when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He says that the Holy Spirit has given them, it's by one Spirit, given as he wishes, he's pouring them out by the Spirit for the common good. So we cannot go away and do a Myers-Briggs test this afternoon to discover that we have the gift of healing or prophecy or speaking in tongues. Okay? It's given by the Spirit. These are not talents. These are not your best practice. Of course, you can grow in your gift and you can develop your gift and you can learn with God and walk with the Spirit and step with the Spirit and discover the kingdom of God. I think it's always a learning process. But these are not stuff that we just pick up best practice. This is not a self-help book or anything else. It's the kindness of God. With much power comes much grace. It's the beauty of God. It's a beautiful kingdom of heaven in this messy and broken world that these gifts are given. So also remember that. So, of course, you can practice. I would encourage you to do that. But, and, and it's interesting also in this part, again, before we jump right into the main conversation, is that this is the only time in this text that we just read about this morning in 1 Corinthians 12, this is the only gift that is gifts. Did you pick that up? Gifts of healing. Gifts of healing, not gift of healing. Gifts of healing. I like to think it, about, think it this way. It's like, you know, the postman coming. Any postman in the room? One postman. Good man. We love him, don't we? We love him for boxes, but we don't like brown letters. Okay. But we do love you regardless. Whatever you bring. But it's just like whatever you need. So it's gifts. It's plural. It's like whatever the person needs. Again, we are the postman and woman of the kingdom of heaven. We're assigned to bring whatever the spirit of God has given for this specific situation. So somebody might need a gift of healing for um, emotional health, I think, or physical health. It's, there's gifts of healing. There's a healing and there's a miraculous healing that just happens instantly. And we don't have time to talk on all this stuff this morning. But it's gifts of healing. So we just relax, and whatever God gives us, we go, we're signed, and we go and deliver that for the good, the common good. So there's some expectation. I just love Paul's expectation. It's just a given. We get crazy, caught up, weird, sometimes arrogant in this 21st century. You know, the gifts for today and the gifts are, you know, stop it. Paul has expectation here. He just has basic expectation. You can't read the text without saying there's basic expectation. Expectation, guys. Expectation that there is. Now, there always has been a kingdom that is among us. When Jesus arrived, he brings the kingdom of heaven to demonstrate God. This is not up for debate. I'm sorry. This is not up for a, a theological debate whether the gifts are here today or not here. Period. The kingdom of God has come. If the kingdom of God has come, it's demonstrated not in words, but also in works. Has the kingdom of God come? Yes. So we're in. You just choose whether you're in or not. Now, we can hide behind theological debate and dispensationalism and all that sort of stuff because it sounds clever and it sounds smart. But as the guy, the Scotch guy said in Big Brother all those years ago, it's not smart. It's not clever. It's not smart. It's not clever. So he has this basic expectation of the local church, supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, what I read from Paul, he says they're just a natural part of ordinary church life. They're just a natural part of ordinary, normative church life. This is the norm. This is the normative. And then we read James. 
Now, here's the thing about James. A lot of people get sidetracked and the James say, aha, so it's only the elders can pray for the sick and it only happens in the context of local church. This is the only one text in scripture where it says to invite the leaders of the church to come and pray for the sick. This is the only text out of all the texts of scripture in Jesus, most of Jesus' ministry, 20% of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick. Could be wrong, but we'll find out in a moment. James also had expectation. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. What more do you need? That's how church works. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church, the leaders, to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, also, oh, you love this, don't you? Huh? Confess your sins to each other. Let's do it. Everybody stand. Just turn to the person beside you and tell them your sins. <laughs> it takes it. It says, stop it. The Lord offered, I'm lost. <laughs> there's a wall behind me. There's actually a TV in front of me. There's a screen here and there's a screen there. Too much choice. You want to see me in a car parking space on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Therefore, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. I used to struggle with that text. Ah, no, 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 so that God hates you. So, and the prayer of righteousness is uh, so that you confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. Did, did it, does that ever weird you out? No? Maybe the Catholics have some practice there that's helpful. Oh. The prayer of righteousness person is powerful and effective. So James also carries the expectation for ordinary church life, normative ordinary church life, guys. And uh, James, he's expecting healing to take place within the local church. I love it. Here's, here's my summary of that, that text. There should be prayer, there should be praise, and there should be healing for the sick. You remember anything this morning, remember this. There should be prayer, there should be worship and praise, and there should be ministry of healing to the sick. That's a normative Christian life. R.T. Kendall. Oh, he is a bright man and very polite. He said this, we have a right, if not a mandate. He's English, so he's not going to be too forceful. To pray for the sick. I believe there is a real sense in which we are called to pray for the sick. God can cure cancer as easily as he can heal a cold. Let that play with your mind. So, can I ask you a question this morning? Do you carry a biblical expectation? That's the word I'm looking for, expectation of church life or cultural expectation of what church life should be. I think it's important to get this mindset right this morning before we do anything because your, your view, how you form your views are very important in how you actually practice biblical theology. I don't know where you come from. I don't know your background. In fact, I've just lied. I know where most of you come from. We write this stuff, I write this stuff during the week, it sounds good, and then I think, no, 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 that's just nonsense. <laughs> I have a pretty good idea where most people are from in the background. Uh, we are tracking you. Yeah, but you may come from a tradition that said the gifts of God have ceased, and the, when the apostles died, and they canonized the Bible, and bang, and there's no more sick people in the world. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's a great theology. You should take that into hospitals with you, take it into streets where people are hurting and broken, take it into people uh, where people are in pain, and then just say to them, you know what, I love to, but I really can't. 
The apostles are here and gone, and Jesus is gone. He did leave the Holy Spirit, but we don't like to bring him out too much. We just keep him in there for christenings and baptisms and stuff like that there. But I'm being very facetious this morning. I hope that I don't offend. But the, and then we say, um, but the, and we've got, you've got the Bible. Enjoy the Bible. Be on your way. Have a great day. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's not biblical theologically, not theologically correct. It's not a biblical view at all. Oh, maybe you believe in healing, but, but supernatural gifts and healings are rare. And I love it because people get, you know, we can talk about Indian healing all day and people have a mindset for that. They have departmentalized theology for healing, right? So it happens in India, but it doesn't happen in Ireland. Excuse me? God's prejudice, eh? He just loves the Indian people. It just happens, and we use third world countries. And stop using that language. You can't use that language, Ella. It's developing countries. Am I right or am I wrong? It's probably changed again. But we have this. Uh, that, that, that actually is quite offensive to the mind of Christ. It's anti-Christ. It's anti the Spirit of God. Why do you compartmentalize the Holy Spirit? Do you think that he only has a passport for India? And he has no access to Scott Street or Irish Street. You think he's allowed in St. Patrick's Academy? I'm just asking the question. I don't know. What do you think? Has he got access? So we compartmentalize our thinking and it's not rational at all, never mind godly. A lot of people believe that sickness and suffering is all God's plan, and he has a purpose in that. Now, we have a bedrock theology here in the vineyard that God is good all the time, that God is a good, good father, that he is kind and he is compassionate. And God uses, Romans 8, 28 says that he uses all things, all things. What are all things? Well, I, in the Greek means all, everything, for the good, for those who love God and call them to his purpose. Can I just be really offensive this morning? Would you say God causes rape? I don't think so. No, I know so. And I've seen people come out of circumstances like that, and God has turned it around. Did he, did he do it? Of course not. And then we, 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 it rolls off our tongue sometimes so easily that God causes sickness to to prove sometimes his divinity. Sorry. The one who created the sun, the moon, the stars, threw them into space and created us uniquely designed to live and to thrive on this earth and he's making all things new. You really believe that God puts sickness on people to prove that he is God? Doesn't make sense. It's not biblical. Of course, all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And God can turn our pain into opportunity. God can use pain. He can use brokenness. He can also use actually success and joy too also. He's up for all that stuff. So that's not, it's not, it's not what we're, we're coming from. And I, I, the other one too, and it's, it's part, it's, I wouldn't say it's so prevalent in, in the culture here in Dungana. Maybe I'm totally wrong, surmising. Uh, and that's just bad models of healing. Where we we have a we have a just a struggle with the, the ministry of healing and the gift of healing is that you've seen maybe bad models you've maybe felt failure in it you've 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 felt like disappointment in it I totally understand that but there's also streams of teaching that says that God heals all the time 
that we live in the victory now because of the cross and the crucifixion and the blood of Jesus. We are healed. We are healed. We're healed now. We always be healed. And if you're not healed, then it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. That's not what we believe here in Vineyard. In fact, we don't believe healing is part of the cross. We believe that, the, yeah, it's, 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 it's actually an attribute of it, that this brings its wholeness. But we don't believe that Jesus healed people because of the cross. He actually healed people before the cross during his crucifixion, I'm sure. And he t- still continues to heal today. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So we, it's, it's not biblical fear. It's not accurate what the scriptures reveal and teach. So... Whatever your background is, I want us to carry a biblical perspective, of course, in everything that we do here at Vineyard Church in Ghana. But I want you to carry a biblical perspective of, of healing. And here's what I think we should believe. Okay? Here's the bedrock of where healing comes. And this is what we think here at Vineyard Church in Ghana. In fact, in Vineyard Church throughout the world, this is our DNA. We believe that the ministry of healing is ordinary and normative and is to be expected by apprentices of Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. We believe that healing is for the here and it's for the now, but it doesn't always take place. So that's our framework. Are you with me? Please stay awake, write it down, get your phone out. This is very important. It's very important. This is what you want to believe. This is what we believe. You want to be part of us. This is our normal. We believe that the ministry of healing is normal and ordinary. That it is to be expected by the apprentices of Jesus here and now, but it doesn't always take place. So there's two foundational convictions or two anchors this morning. And you've heard us talk about this, but let me just uh, reintroduce them to you this morning. To be a disciple of Jesus means you're learning to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's all we're going to talk about. We've, we've talked a lot about this, and we continue to talk about it, but that's what, that's what a discipleship is. A disciple is one who bees with the rabbi. Jesus is our rabbi. He's the one who disciples us. We learn to become like him. That's what rabbis did. It's totally cultural. It totally makes sense. And actually, they didn't just be with the person. They didn't just engage with the person. They actually activated and carried out the belief system of the rabbi. Our rabbi is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Therefore, we want to be with him. We want to become like him. We want to do the stuff that he does. And that includes healing as well as forgiveness and mercy and acts of kindness and mercy given and all the wonderful stuff. Raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, casting out demons. Uh, freely you have received, guys, freely you got to give it away. And healing is really part of it. You cannot be in the presence of Jesus Christ without doing what the master does. You can't. Therefore, you've become practically dispensationalist again. And you're thinking and you're living. You can't be. You've got to walk with the master to be with him. You be, you're going to be around him. Anyway, it's just a natural outflow. Anyway, if you're, if you're around Jesus at all, if you pray, if you fast, if you celebrate, if you Sabbath, if you do all those things, and by the way, these are not means to an end. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, listen, listen before we go any further. If you're around Jesus, you start to love him. You start to be energized by him. You start to think like him. You start to become who he is. You get his heart. You catch the heart of the Father. You become generous. You become kind. You know, Michelle says to me all the time, and it just becomes, then it just puts me in the opposite direction. She says to me, like, she's very condescending. She said to me, like, if I'm, if I'm having a bad day, just sometimes we have bad days, don't we? As men. I'm just like, bad day. This is me doing the men thing. Retaliation. Told the scripture. Uh, and, and, and she'll turn around to me then. And she means it in a nice way, but it never works for me. She'll say, have you spent time with Jesus? And I'm like nearly thinking, no, I'm not going to spend time with Jesus now. <laughs> Just despite you. 
When you spend time with Jesus, you get around him, you become like him, you start to get his heart. And guess what? You end up finding yourself saying things that just come out of your mouth, like kindness. You end up giving away money to people uh, uh, and stuff. It just becomes nuts, doesn't it? It's dangerous. Watch your PayPal. <laughs> it happened to me last week. <laughs> like, I never fall for that sort of stuff. Well, not fall for it. You know what I mean? That sounds very crude. But somebody came into my mind and my heart, and just as that, their email popped in, and I flung them some money. And I thought, why'd they do that for? <laughs> just be like Jesus. According to the scriptures, this is the second foundational conviction. According to the scriptures, I've said it, but I want to repeat it. Jesus did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. The apostles did what they did through the power of the Holy Spirit. The church did what they did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I are called today to do what Jesus did through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't let me disrupt the sleep, the rest of you, but anyway. So we can do it. So what we see in, G- in Matthew and Luke, that Jesus is fully human, right? We talked about that. He operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's Jesus empowered by Holy Spirit. And this life and ministry of Jesus continues through us, the local church today. Let's go home and do the stuff. What did Jesus do? Let me summarize. Matthew 4. Have I got it on the screen? I think I do. Save your time going there. Jesus went. I love this going. Jesus just went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Remember, he was a man who leaned in the power of the Spirit, wasn't doing it by special superpowers. He was dependent. He could only do what he saw the Father doing, dependent on the power of the Spirit. Jesus went forth in the power of the Spirit. That's your framework. That's your reference. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. I love that. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them. These are not against specific illnesses. These are just, just a record of what some of the people that turned up on the day. And Jesus went around proclaiming the kingdom of God. And what did he do? He healed people. Proclaimed the kingdom of God and healed people. Proclaimed the kingdom of God and healed people. Now that puts me in a corner, a kingdom corner. So if I believe this stuff, if I believe that Jesus could only do what he did with the power of the Spirit, and he does through the power of the Spirit, if the apostles did it, if the disciples did it, and if, the, uh, if, um, if he gives that mandate to the church, then I'm in the corner. So what do I do about it? Do I rob people again? Do we talk about it and say we really believe in it? But you know what? You ain't going to see any of it. Think about it. It's the most unselfish thing to do to demonstrate the kingdom of God where you go. It's the most unselfish thing you can do. And see, we think we're being really godly and holy when we're not taking the kingdom of God, and then we put it under a belief system and we put it under fear. Let love propel you to fear is gone. Let love push back fear. People need it. People need the kingdom. People need the good news of the kingdom. Dungannon this week needs the good news of the kingdom. Dungannon doesn't need a people who just get on their knees with people. We do that. We pray with those. We, we mourn with those who mourn. It's totally scripture. We rejoice with those who rejoice. But it also needs a people that can rise above the situation, the darkness, and say, I carry hope. I carry his presence. I carry a solution. Yes, I'm afraid. Yes, I'm hurting. Yes, I don't know everything. But I want to come in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and bring hope and kingdom dynamic to this place. 
that 20% thing, rub it out, I was wrong. 20% of Luke's gospel are stories of healing, is what I meant to say. 20%. More than, more than preaching, there's healing. Wow. Jesus spends more time healing and casting out demons than preaching. I need to change my title. Here's why. Smart man again, N.T. Wright. Jesus healed, when Jesus healed people, he intended it to be clear that this wasn't just a foretest of a future reality. This was reality itself. This was what it looked like when God was in charge, right? God's kingdom was coming as he taught his followers to pray on earth as it is in heaven. N.T. Wright writes that in his book, Simply Jesus. Healing was and is the primary marker of the kingdom of heaven. It's breaking in on the earth as it is in heaven. It's not just the physical healing, by the way. It's the shalom of God. It's the wholeness of God. It's, and that was all vandalized in the garden. This is what N.T. Wright's talking about. In Genesis 3, the shalom of God was vandalized. And Jesus returns and he brings, he's making all things new. So the job of Adam and Eve was to bring all things new, to restore, to cause the earth to flourish. Their job was to cause the earth to flourish. They partnered with God and God gave them power. God gave them instruction and a mandate to rule and to reign, to be fruitful. So their job and our job is to cause the earth to flourish. And then the enemy came. He stole that through Satan and there was a breakdown of that. And then Jesus came and he is making all things new. He does that when he was on the earth and that continues through the local church. So our job is to cause wherever we go, wherever we are to flourish. We are to cause the world and the earth to flourish and to make all things new. Make all things new. And that is what the end game is. When God is coming back, he's restoring all things, and all things will be made new. So that's our commission. We're to restore the Genesis mandate. It's a big picture, isn't it? Don't reduce the gospel to a small thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news, okay? It is not a ticket into heaven. The gospel mandate is not to get people into heaven. Believe it or not, don't stone me. The gospel mandate is to get heaven to earth. To get heaven into people, not people into heaven. Do you believe that? Great. Good. I thought I heard an audible voice saying, Jason, was it you? Okay, I'm going to give you three things and then we're going to wrap it up for today and then next week we're going to jump in again and we're going to talk about healing, how it works and how we engage with it. Is that okay? So there's three things and these are very important things. Three reasons why we don't see it. Three reasons why we don't expect it. If it's, if it's such a part of Jesus' ministry, right? A large part of his ministry. If he, if he healed people and cast out demons more than he spoke and preached then why do we not expect it within the ministry of the church today? Why, why do we not see it? Why has our thinking changed? What has happened? We talked about that. Number one, secularism. Secularism is, is that system of thought that denies the existence of significance of anything religious or anything spiritual. It denies it. Everything is touch, everything is feel, everything is see. It's a Western mindset, you might say. Maybe change that to Western mindset. Secularism. Gordon Fee said, only among intellectuals and the scientific age is it thought to be too hard for God to heal the sick. Hmm. Everybody else is in. So good. So there's that thinking, right? And, and, and that's why, can I just say, like people say to me, you, you 
probably more recently, why are you seeing this stuff in India? We're not seeing it here. That's exactly why. Secularism. We, we, we reduce things. We're not expecting it. Two, cultural Christianity. Oh, man. This is a big one. This is a big one. There's a Christianity that's present in the West today in the church that has made Jesus in its own image. In its own image. It's convenient. It's easy. It's made to make people happy. Are you happy? I want to make you happy. And, and to meet our consumer needs. Do you, do you see it? We're not too bad in Ireland, I would say. We're not there yet, but by heck, we're trying to, we're trying to get there fast. And I would hope and pray to God that we would go after the kingdom much faster than we go after consumerism or Western Christianity that makes Jesus its own image. We reduce him to an addition or an accessory or a weekly activity. It, it, it's happening throughout the church. You know, we, we're, church is an add-on to people's lives. And look, but, and by the way, I'm not saying that your whole life has to be around the gathering of church as in the Sunday gathering. I'm not saying that. But everything that we do now, church, is just an add-on to your, you know, it's an, it's an hour add-on to our weekend. And that's how we're feeling it. I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy. That's why I'm totally shocked when somebody walks four hours to a church in India, a village on barefoot. Four hours? Is that an add-on? Is it additional? Hey, and pastors, we're, we're nuts now. We're, 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 you know, we've bought into the whole... I'm just going off on it here, okay? So forgive me if I offend. We're, 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 I'm in, congregation, in conversations with people, and we're talking, let's reduce barriers. You know, here's how you do church. Multiple services, more options for people. Frank, give them more options. Are you nuts? More options for people? Can you imagine it? Quarter past 10 doesn't suit me, but 29 minutes past 9 suits me. You know, or blah, 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 blah. And so, like, let's make church convenient. Let's make Christ convenient. When we start to reduce the gospel of the kingdom into an additional thing, into a consumer thing, into an add-on thing, guys, we have lost it. We have lost. Do you want to know why the kingdom of heaven is spreading throughout Asia and Africa? Because it's not an addition. It's not a consumerism. It's not an add-on to their life. It is everything. This gospel is compelling. It calls us to give us all. It, they lay down their life. They, they pick up their cross and they follow Jesus daily. And that's why the kingdom of heaven is flourishing. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven flourish, then buy in, jump in, buy the field and sell the treasure. I'm very close to preaching this morning. And then we get into the subscription thing. And then it's the entertainment. It's a service of goods that we turn on and we turn off at our convenience. Rather than the king of our life captivating and, and entering all of our life. Now the cultivation of consumer spirituality is... As Antichrist. Of a sacrificial, deny yourself family of faith. A gathering of God fearing, God worshiping congregation by cultivating a consumer pleasing, commodity oriented congregation. 
We can't. We can't do that. We can't gather a God-fearing, God-worshipping congregation by cultivating a consumer-pleasing Christianity. Can I just say that one more time? If we want to gather the God-fearing community of faith, right, cultivating a consumer-pleasing, commodity-oriented congregation will never happen. It mustn't happen. When we do this, the wheels are off. Last man out, turn off the lights. Cheers. Guys, I want to talk about healing, but this is important for your mindset. This is, this is important for how you frame things and how you think through the supernatural and through the kingdom of heaven, how you look at the gifts. This is all so important because we have been affected by cultural Christianity and not biblical Christianity. And we have denied ourselves. We've grown up in Ireland thinking we've got the gospel and we've got the book and we've got it in our schools. You may have it in your schools. You may have it in your books. You may have it in, but you have it in your life. Do you have it in your lifestyle? Is it your normal? Is it your normative? Is Christianity part of your everyday order? Do you know what turns people off Christianity? The consumerism. The sales pitch. People are dying for reality in a sales pitch world. That's why people don't come to faith. You see, you think, and, here's, and I think, we think if we hide the Holy Spirit, if we, whoo, where's Nigel Graham? Build me a bigger stage, will you? Talking about the consumerism, star-studded, self-orientated society that we are. Build me a bigger stage. Build me a bigger stage and make me a bigger person, will you? And so, anyway, oh, I've really shut over time, but this is important. This is important. What was I talking about before I nearly tripped? We think, we think, we think, in our logic, we think if we, don't, if we don't demonstrate the kingdom that it will be more attractional for people. Uh, seriously. Now, you're thinking, no, I don't do that, Jason. Yes, you do. You do that people we all do i do it there's moments in life where i'm in at the swifts and somebody's got sciatica and i'm thinking no 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 let's keep friendship let's keep this church and me chaplain thing all tight together and groovy and cool so i don't do anything because you don't want to disrupt anything and all the time people in their pain are saying pray for me god break in we need the kingdom does that make sense how's your grace levels because I just want to do one more point. Guys, let's not suppress, all I'm saying in that is let's not suppress the Jesus way to bring the Jesus truth. I think that was good. Let's try and remember it again. Let's not suppress the Jesus way to bring the Jesus truth. Don't hide him. Don't suppress the Jesus way. The Jesus way is hidden the sick feeding the poor. Don't suppress the Jesus way. Don't allow culture to come in. Don't allow this crazy, mixed up. I think you've got it. You feel okay? You don't feel beat up, do you? You don't look beat up. <coughs> what does beat up look like? I know it on your face. You're, you look good. You look good. Okay. God, this is prophetically speaking right now. I believe that God is stirring the church in the world today. To get a hold of a gospel kingdom community to see all things become new. I believe that. I think the conversation throughout Christendom is going to change and we're no longer going to look to the United States of America, no disrespect, to see how we do kingdom or gospel. But I believe God is going to raise up hubs and fires and camps in Europe and Ireland and Asia to model to the church and to the world how the kingdom of heaven is outworked and the reality of community looks like. 
I think we have something precious here in Ireland. Off topic again, but spirit-led, I think. I think we have something precious here in Ireland, and we may feel like the odd cousins, <laughs> the dysfunctional family <laughs> within the kingdom. But I think God is hiding us, a remnant, to model community and what family looks like in faith so that we would be a community of faith who move in the naturally supernatural, not models, but spirit-driven people like Patrick Colum Kill, who said, blow on us. Is that what you want? Man, if you want to see the next generation flourish, let's become the kingdom family that God intended. Not consumers, not add-ons, not additional church-going people. I hate the phrase, good church-going people. Let's be Holy Ghost-filled, sent people instead of going to church. But please come <laughs> next Sunday. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Would you stand with me?